See if I get my microphone back. All right, we are going to, um, I do not have any announcements this morning. No announcements this morning, except that I'm going to be on vacation next week. And so if you need anything, call Terry Grant. Uh, don't call me. Uh, we are going to be in Great Falls for a few days, and uh, uh, then we're going to come back. And Jess is going to go away for a little while because she'll need vacation after dealing with me. And um, so, yeah, that is our very exciting vacation plans. Um, that is my only announcement. Call Terry if you need anything. Um, otherwise, I do not think we have anybody lined up to lead prayer this morning, do we? I need to grab a pen. Do we have prayer requests? Prayer requests? Oh, Nick is still in the hospital? Is he? All right. Other prayer requests? So for Renee's mom and dad. Other prayer requests? So the traveling bits is to get us an auger. Other? Yes. Okay. All right. Everything going well. Anything else? All right. Uh, Let's go to God in prayer together. Heavenly Father, I uh, pray that you be with us this morning. Um, Help us to to just fellowship and celebrate the birth of your son. Um, Help us to remember just the enormous blessing that you give us in, in, uh, in sending your son to save the world, Lord. Praise you for, for uh, family and friends and, and just the wonderful things that we, that we have in this nation, in this, in this place, Lord, and in the body of Christ. Um, help us to just keep our eyes and our hearts and our minds focused on that um, and on your, on your um, just awesomeness, the fact that you are worthy of praise. Uh, we, uh, we raise up to you a number of uh, prayer concerns and, and requests, Lord. We, uh, we raise up to you, Nick, and ask that you would be with him as he recovers. Um, that he would be able to come back to Big Sandy soon if he isn't here already, um, and that you would uh, would just be with be with the folks who are working with him and help them to um, keep him comfortable and happy. And Lord, we pray for Renee's parents as they're dealing with sickness. Uh, pray that you, they would get over it quickly and be able to kind of get about their their uh, their travel plans. That that you would just make them well and help them to lean on you as their as their poor health, Lord. Um, we raise up to you the, uh, the Bits family as uh, Larry and, and Daniel are going to be traveling uh, to Minnesota. Ask that you would um, keep them safe as they travel, but also, Lord, that you would uh, be with uh, Anne as she deals with uh, my kids for a few days and, 
and uh, um, taking care of the farm and, and all the work that's associated with with uh, just, just being there alone, Lord. We pray that you be with Anne. Um, pray that you would be with uh, folks who are just mourning and have lost family and are are um, dealing with heartache in this season and ask that you would give them comfort. Help them to recognize that in, in Jesus we have the ultimate comfort um, um, in, the, in the promise that you give us through his life and death and resurrection, Lord. Um, and we praise you, Lord, for, for a number of things, for Christmas, for the families that are here, that were here last night, Lord. Praise you for um, everything going well with... Um, with Jeremy traveling for, for Gina as she watched the kids and that um, um, Connor with his stitches was, was a minor issue and praise you for, for just being with that family and that they're a part of our family here um, at Big Sandy. And, and um, just we praise all, pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's, uh, let's continue our time of worship with, uh, with a Christmas carol, right? See? 
Well, let's see if we can uh, fix that. Um, there I am. Uh, we're doing uh, doing service a little differently. Like I said, um, we're going to jump back and forth between message and um, and and songs. This is how we normally do Christmas Eve and Easter, early morning sunrise service. Um, and we're gonna um, what we're gonna do this morning um, as we look at at the text. We're gonna be on Luke one and and two, the very beginning of Luke two, and and what we're gonna be looking at. Um, let me b- pause before I dive into that. Last night, we got home late, right, because we were at church, and we sat around and talked for quite a while. We got home, and um, we let the kids open one gift, right, which was pajamas, so that they would go to bed. It was a hint. Um, and, and the kids went to bed late, and the craziest thing happened. Um, my daughter woke up kind of early, which isn't that crazy. But my son did not wake up. So now think about this. It's Christmas morning, and it's getting to be about two hours after he's normally out of bed. Um, And there's nothing we've ever been able to do to get that boy to sleep late. But apparently Christmas morning, as some sort of genetic way of messing with his sister, he slept two hours longer than she did. And so finally my wife cranked up the stereo and put on Christmas music, and that got him out of bed. And then he was excited and ready to go. And, and um, then we get started with our Christmas routine. How many of y'all open presents already this morning? Or watch small children open presents? You know, we, we did our, our reading of the Christmas story. And we, my kids, okay, can we, can we open now? Can we open presents now? And my wife said, oh, well, hey, guys, I'm kind of hungry. What about pre- presents? Pray. <laughs> you start contorting on the floor. And um, I, I, all of this stuff that we do Christmas morning and all of, like, the excitement and the memories and the family and everything else, like, it is wonderful, isn't it? Um, but as we dive into it, as we enjoy it, as we spend time with family, like, um, the nice thing about doing Christmas on a Sunday, which I, 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 um, I don't know. I've heard pastors say they hate it. I've heard pastors say they love it. Um, the nice thing about doing Christmas on a Sunday is as much as we get focused on all that stuff, we're backed up right now and we're taking some time to talk about Jesus, right? Um, and what we're going to be talking about um, in this Luke 1 and 2 here, if I can get my slides to cooperate, um, is we're going we're gonna to be talking about how different folks reacted to the news of Jesus, right? How different folks um, responded. And we're going to start with Elizabeth because Luke is a little unusual in this respect. Luke does not begin with the birth of Jesus. Luke begins with the birth of John the Baptist, the front runner. Jesus, or Elizabeth was Mary's cousin, and Mary traveled to go see Elizabeth, and she was very old, almost as old as Craig, um, and, and had never had children. She was barren and, and very old, so she was never going to have children. And God came to her husband and announced that he would father a child, and that he would father a child who would announce the coming of Jesus. And his response was, I'm going to what now? 
And the angel said, hey, you know what? Since you doubted, you don't get to talk. Um, he was a married man. He was probably used to it. But he did not say a word until the baby was born, and they named him John. Um, but the first time Elizabeth encounters her cousin, um, this is Luke 139 to 45, the first time um, they encounter each other. Now, at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And now it has, now it, and how it has happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. And the blessing is, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what has been spoken to her by the Lord. Now watch this. Mary's first response, Mary and John, actually, unborn John, they encounter, or excuse me, Elizabeth. Elizabeth encounters Mary, who's barely pregnant, not showing the whole nine yards, right? Because this is right after she found out that she was pregnant. Um, she shows up at the house, and the baby in Elizabeth's belly, who has like been there for a little while, leaps for joy in response. Um, I have not been pregnant. Sometimes I've looked pregnant, but like I know that when a baby gets moving, you know it, right? And and she responds, "Wow, the mother of my Lord, like like the mother of Jesus. Blessed is the baby that's in you. Um, even my baby from here recognized it and saw that this was an awesome thing. Like Mary's first response, we'll get to in a second, but like Elizabeth's first response on encountering the baby Jesus, like the unborn baby Jesus, is to worship, is to praise, is to thank God and to point out how blessed Mary is. Um, that's, I mean, the reason I wanted to look at these verses this morning is um, the first thing we should, we should say when we wake up on Christmas morning, right, is thank God you came for us. Thank God your son came for us. Thank God you love us enough to save us from ourselves. Thank God that you would go to any distance to have us like, and help us belong to you. Thank God that you would give your son. Um, it's an awesome thing. Like, and it's, it's, we got to remember it, right? we got to remember it over and over and over and over again. It is a huge blessing, and it is fantastic. And as awesome as opening gifts are, as awesome as the family dinners are, as awesome as all of it is, um, this is even better. Let's uh, continue to worship um, and just praise God like he has blessed us in a big way. Joy. There it is. Merry Christmas. Joy to the world. The Lord is come.
the, uh, the, next, the next bit that we're going to look at is Mary. After Elizabeth shows up, and, or Mary shows up and Elizabeth says all of this stuff like, blessed is this baby and blessed am I for like you visiting me. Mary responds with a song, um, which is the great thing about Luke. Luke is half gospel, half hymnal. The first, um, I don't know, first four chapters has song after song after song after song. You could almost do it as a musical, um, only it would probably be good. Um, we're going to look at this. This is um, traditionally it's been called the Magnificat, right? Like that's the, uh, a Latin word, and it means like to magnify. Um, and, and in church history and in like Bible study, this is what it's called. So, and Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord and my spirit is rejoiced in God, my savior, for he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. By the way, I'm going to pause there. Bond slave is the right translation. Servant is how it's often translated, but literally like bond slave, Mary considers herself to be you know, owned by God and to be his, like, own servant. Like, she has obligation because God has paid out for her. And this is, like, prophetic knowledge. She doesn't know that Jesus is going to die for her. She doesn't know that Jesus is going to die for the sins of men, right? Like, but she knows that she is his bondservant. She is bought, like, by God. She belongs to him. Um, for behold, from this time on all, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their own hearts. Um, He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who are humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to the descendants, for, to his descendants forever. Now watch this. Magnificat means to magnify, right? Um, and, and like we usually use that, we're magnifying the Lord like when we praise is sort of the way it's used. But um, it's a confusing word because magnify, like my kids have a magnifying glass, Right? Um, sometimes, uh, sometimes we feel like other folks look at us under a magnifying glass. They know exactly what we're doing wrong and exactly where we're messing up or what have you. But magnify as it relates to worship, um, it's not actually possible to make God bigger, right? In fact, quite the opposite. For the most part, for us to understand God, we have to make him smaller because because he's so big and he's so expansive and he's so awesome and mighty and everything else. It defies our comprehension, um, it, took, it took humans thousands of years to figure out that the stars were giant flaming balls of gas billions and billions of miles away. I mean, can you imagine even what that is? The fact that God just hung those, actually didn't even hang them. He commanded them to be there. Like that God's voice and his power is so much that he's able to do that. And so it was like, like we usually make things smaller. Magnificat, what Mary is doing is she is looking at who God is intently and making it bigger in her own sight, right? Have you ever noticed that? Um, I, bought a, I bought a car earlier this year, and when I was looking at it, I was very excited about buying my own white girl car, as, as Dusty calls it. Um, I was very excited about getting a new car because my old car was was dying. And I was so excited that it wasn't until after I bought it that I began to notice the imperfections. You ever notice that? And all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's a ding there. 
Oh, and they repainted the car. Look, they sort of messed up right here. Oh, there's a flaw in the paint here. Oh, look, there's this here. There's this here. And like all of a sudden, as soon as I noticed them, these tiny little flaws, what do they look like? The biggest doggone thing in the world, isn't it? Um, as it relates to us worshiping God, we begin to look at his majesty. We begin to look at elements of his personality, things that he has done, and they get bigger, right? They begin to occupy our minds. All the way up until this week, I have been crabby. Y'all haven't seen it because I'm really good at like being cheerful. But my, my wife is, Eric, you're so crabby. It's like living with Eeyore. Cut it out, cut it out, cut it out. Because it's so busy and it's so hectic and there's so much writing to do and so much of this to do and i got to get this done and everything else. And it wasn't until like a few days ago I was praying and all of a sudden like God put all these things in my path where I had to serve other people. And I had to serve them in ways that I got nothing out of it. And all of a sudden I began to realize, man, God's done a lot for me. Man, I have no reason to be crabby. But it wasn't until I started looking at God's actions. It wasn't until I started looking at who God is that I got over myself and began to realize God's blessed us. And what Mary is doing here, she's saying God is merciful, right? And he is. Do we think about God's mercy? Not all the time. God is like takes care of the humble and the lowly. We tend not to think that because it seems like the humble and the lowly really get the short end of the stick in life, right? But in reality, God takes care of them and he blesses them and he pours out on them. And in Christ, we see this in the biggest possible way. And Mary is just standing there worshiping God and saying, guys, focus on this. God does great things for the poor. God does great things for the people who fear him. God does great things for the people who look to him, who lean on him, who pursue him. And Christmas is really about that. God sends his son to whoever, like to us, like if we're willing to be humble, if we're willing to pursue him, if we're willing to be his disciples, to belong to him, um, we're saved. That's fantastic. It's the biggest blessing you could ask for. And I kind of wanted this morning to be that. Let's take time to magnify that, to look at it, to pay attention to it, to really focus on it. Because Christmas spirit and, you know, the bah humbug thing and all this other stuff, like that's all on a side next to worshiping Jesus. There's no greater thing you can do on Christmas, right? Worship Jesus. Thank God for the gift that he's given us. Let's continue to worship with, with God of wonders. Let's magnify like how fantastic he is. You are home. 
Uh, is the birth of John the Baptist. Having, having taken the time to worship um, and, and gone their separate ways, uh, John the Baptist is born. And at the birth, uh, when they ask Elizabeth what they're going to name the boy, uh, she says, well, he's going to be John. And everybody around them kind of look and say, well, wait a minute. Why would you name him John? That's not a family name. Jewish folks would typically name a child after the father or grandfather. And they said, well, wait a minute, the father's Zacharias. Why would you name him John? And they, there's this whole discussion, and Zacharias um, is mute because the angel struck him mute for doubting. And um, when he's actually able to talk again, like he writes out, oh, the name is John. And, and as soon as he does this, as soon as he's willing to submit to God in this way, um, all of a sudden he can speak again. And he uses that opportunity to speak to uh, prophesy. And I have lost my slides, uh, so I'm going to have to actually read it from the book uh, and hope I can fix it real quick. So this is uh, Zechariah's prophecy. This is Luke 2, uh, 67 and on. And the father and his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. He spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hands of all those who hate us to show mercy excuse me, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. Um, He goes on a little bit, um, but what he's talking about He's prophesying not about his own son. He's prophesying about, the, about Jesus, about the son that's coming, right? And there's actually a line right in the beginning. Um, um, For he has visited upon us and accomplished redemption of his people. And literally what is about to happen is God himself is going to visit his people. He's going to visit in the form of a baby. I mean, he's going to show up helpless and approachable. Before this point, God would speak and the earth would shake, right? Moses saw God, like God's glory face to face, and he shone. And he had to wear a veil so people, I mean, like God was as distant from his people as he could be because our sin and our wickedness created separation. But um, what we see happening here is John is announcing, or Zacharias is announcing 
Um, God is going to visit salvation on his people. He's coming to us. He's going to be amongst us, and he's going to bring salvation. He's going to bring redemption. People will, for the first time in ages and ages and ages, see God face to face and talk with him and walk with him and be healed by his hands and hear like how, like, like how to be in a relationship with God firsthand. And ultimately, he would die for him. Um, Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, he... he um, he says in the, the prophecy where he talks about the birth of, of the virgin, right? Um, and behold, a virgin will be a child, and you will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God is with us. And Zacharias, like, he emphasizes these things. God's going to do great things. There's great stuff coming. God is going to bless us. He's going to take care of us. And then um, he's going to redeem us. Um, he's going to be amongst us. Emmanuel, God is coming. Um, as we celebrate, as we magnify God's holiness, his awesomeness, um, as we worship him, we need to remember at the same time, um, Emmanuel has come, right? God is amongst us. Um, and after that, he actually comes and lives in our hearts in the Holy Spirit. Like, God resides within us through the Holy Spirit. Like, how much better of a gift could we ask for? Um, as we magnify, let's magnify God's coming. Let's magnify, like, his son's arrival for us, his redemption for us. Um, and let's do it with a song, right? O come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And ransom captive.
Notice there's a pattern that Luke is following, which is one of the great things about Luke. Um, he was educated. He was a doctor. He was probably a slave early on in his life um, and was educated to be a doctor. It's a very common thing for people to educate their slaves to be doctors because slaves are expensive and you need somebody to take care of them, right? So why not make sure you've got one in the, in the household? And so Luke is this educated man, and he's really, really gifted in the area of, like, creating literature. And, and so, like, Luke is one of those great books where we see themes and recurring ideas, and we can English teacher them, right? Oh, look at this part. Like, you know, break it down into the smallest pieces so it doesn't make sense anymore. Um, the big thing we're driving at here, right, Elizabeth's first response was she worshipped. Mary's first response was she worshipped. Zacharias's first response was to point out how awesome God is in saving his people and coming for us, which is... Worship, right? Anybody see the pattern yet? Um, the first response every one of these folks had um, in encountering the good news of Christmas, like the gift of Jesus showing up, was they worship God. Um, and the angels were no different. I, I was being teased by my wife last night because I preached in the last four years probably 75 sermons on angels. Um, and there haven't been 75 Christmases, you know, the angels in Luke 2 specifically, um, because I love this passage. Uh, shepherds are watching over their flocks by night. The announcement is made, and immediately, immediately, you know, there's born to you a child in, in the city of David. You know, go see him. He is Christ the Lord. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace amongst whom he is well pleased. There's a cool thing about angels. Like we, a lot of pop culture, um, there's a lot, of, a lot of crazy stuff that's come about. But one of the things that angels exist for, their specific job, these are beings that are created to stand in the presence of God and worship him. Right? These are the only beings that exist that see God face to face. In fact, there are angels that cover God's face when he meets with Isaiah, right? Like, so that Isaiah can't see his face. Like, like angels have a specific um, purpose, and that's to worship and to see God, to appreciate him. Because honestly, like, you create a great work of art, um, what's the point if nobody's appreciating it, Right? What's the point of nobody stopping to admire it? And these angels, this is their job, and they can't even help it, right? They can't even help it. I remember, um, by way of analogy, Jess and I were in um, Central America, and we, were, we hiked through this rainforest at the base of a mountain where there was another rainforest, a cloud forest, they called it. And we hiked, and we came to the base of this mountain. There was a waterfall that fell out of the clouds, like, and, and it just came down with power and it was it was one of the most breathtakingly beautiful things I've ever seen. And as I looked at it, my heart beat fast and I found myself saying, wow, God, you made this. And I couldn't help but think it because it was so impressive. This is the way the angels respond. They see God. They see God working. They recognize how amazing his grace is, the gift he's giving, this favor that he's giving to people like, like that he's pleased with, like people who don't deserve it. And their response is to break out in song. The announcement is finished, 
And these guys, I'm not, I kind of, I don't know, this isn't scriptural, so like, this is just me speculating. I wonder if this was planned, or if it's just sort of what happened. Like, he announced it, and they all said, all right, let's get out there and sing, you know, and they strike up in song. I mean, like a real-life musical, right, where, you know, well, let's sing about it now, because these guys are so excited. And this worship, like, the whole creation worships God, but these angels were made for it. And their instant response in the announcement of the coming of Jesus is, is worship, you know, is to praise God, is to praise God in a new way even, right? Um, the enormous blessing that we receive, the awesomeness of Christmas, and it's worth worshiping, it's worth praising, it's worth stopping and taking the time and saying, man, glory to God in the highest. Like He loves us enough to come for us. He loves us enough to live for us and to die for us. God is amazing. What better thing is there to do on Christmas than to worship him? Now let's continue to worship him with angels we have heard on high because the angels did sing. They worshiped. Yeah. 
So, um, as we've kind of talked about worship, uh, we've had we've had Elizabeth worship, we've had Mary worship, we've had Zacharias worship, we've had the angels worship. By the way, I missed one. I was supposed to talk about angels and then the shepherds, right? Having heard what the angels said, they went and saw the baby Jesus. They saw him born. They saw him like God incarnate manifest on earth. And they went and they worshiped God and told everybody they could find, guess what we saw? And so their first response was worship. Um, and finally, we come to Simeon and Anna. Um, Simeon and Anna are, um, are odd figures in the scriptures. These are folks who lived at the temple mostly, right? They went to the temple every day and they prophesied. They were people who God spoke to and had announced, right? And, and um, God is kind of neat that way. Like over throughout history, he's had people stand in his place and be his voice. And in the case of Simeon and Anna, um, after Jesus is born, eight days later, they take him to the temple to be circumcised because that's what Jewish uh, boys did. Uh, and I can't get to the next slide, so you're going to have to bump it forward. It's stuck. Um, and, and, Simeon, and Simeon, so they show up at the temple. Simeon sees them coming, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed, and a sword will pierce even your own soul, to the end that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed." Um, why is this not cooperating? Um, so Simeon basically announces, like he magnifies, this child is appointed for the rise and fall of many in Israel. He announces this great future that's coming for this son. Um, by the way, this does answer the question. Watch this: for a sign to be opposed, and a sword shall be shall, and the sword will pierce your soul. Um, to the end of the thoughts for many, the hearts may be revealed. Um, Mary did know, all right? Anybody <laughs> hear that song? Mary knew Jesus was going to die. Like, but this announcement of God's salvation coming is, again, a form of worship, right? He's speaking the word of God. He's speaking the truth about Jesus' mission. He's speaking the truth about the fact that some people will fall, some people will stumble, and some people will be made right with God as a result of, like, the work of this child. Like, he praises God by pointing this stuff out, by telling the truth about who Christ is. Like, this is a form of worship. Like, speaking the truth, speaking the gospel is worship in a very fundamental way because we recognize and commemorate these awesome things that God has done. Um, Can you bump to the next slide? I'm... And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, uh, of the tribe of Asher. And she was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then as a widow to the age of 84, she never left the temple, serving night and day with fasting and prayers. And that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Israel. And she actually says that she can go on and die in peace now that she's seen the coming of the Lord and that she can, she can die in peace. Like she can, she's reached the end of her journey because she's seen what God has done. And so this woman, Anna, who's kind of an unusual character, right? She's an unusual figure. Her first response, night and day fasting and praying, looking for God, she sees him and her response is basically to thank God and to worship, right? Um, Luke draws this out, and I think he draws it out for a very important reason, um, he draws it out because this is what we're called to do in response to God's action. 
we're, we're called to worship. We're called to praise. We're called to magnify. We're called to point to him. We're called to commemorate the work that he's done to, like, make this the central focus of our lives. Um, and how do we do this? Like, I got, well, we'll do that last. I think um, I'm going to call my guys forward with the plates. This is, this is next on the list, right? I'm not messing this up. Um, and we're going to take a moment to worship God in offering. Um, we don't do offering here to pay the bills. We, we do offering as a way of worshiping God, and, and this is sort of an extension of that worship. Um, let's take a moment to worship God with our offering um, and, and, and to, to focus on him and to, to give thanks to the blessings he's given us. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd be with us. I pray that you would help us to focus on you, um, help us to worship you with everything that we are, Lord. This is a a morning where we've gathered to worship and to thank you for the gift of your son, for the gift of Jesus. And we, we want to do that. We want to keep our hearts and our minds and our souls like, like dedicated to worshiping you. Praise you for the many blessings you give us, um, in particular for the blessing of Jesus um, and his, his, his life, death, and resurrection for us. Amen. So long. While shepherds kept their watching over silent clocks by night, behold, throughout the heaven they shone a holy light. So go to the mountain over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. The shepherds feared and trembled. close with a blessing and I, I want to explain uh, I want to explain this as we uh, as we do it um, if you all could stand up as we as we head out today as we go out and enjoy Christmas dinner as we go out and enjoy family as we go out and enjoy presents as we go out and enjoy all the stuff that comes with Christmas um, let's go out as a as a family of God worshiping right let's let's go out and worship him publicly let's go out and worship him with our whole heart um, let's go out and live lives of worship right um, so 
my blessing for you this morning is um, may you be people who go out into the world. May you be people who, like when folks see you, you're a light in the world. Like when folks see you, they recognize that you've got something to praise and to worship and to celebrate in the gift of Jesus, not just in opening packages or generic love and hope and all this other stuff, but in the real life of a Savior, the real life and gift of Jesus. Amen.